Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be the Devil's Division. Let's begin today in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in the 16th verse, it says, But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. Now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before others' own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Verse 18 told us, For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. The most concerning phrase in this verse is, There be divisions among you. This wasn't just an issue in the first century, it's also an issue today. Division can be easily found all throughout the church in all different forms and degrees. This is something we need to be aware of, and it's something that should alarm us. It's not supposed to be this way. We're meant to be united. Our unity is our greatest strength. But yet we can't find much unity anymore, and there's not much of an effort being made to regain it. Philippians 2 and 2 in the classic Amplified Bible says, Fill up and complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one in purpose, having the same love, being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. This is what we're supposed to be. In these fundamental areas, we're supposed to be one and the same. But where do we really find that? In how many churches? Amongst how many Christians? Probably not many. Not only are most Christians not in harmony, most aren't even singing the same song. Churches disagree and end up splitting up over man-made doctrines that at the end of the day don't really matter. Christians disagree and argue over trivial things and allow those disagreements to cause them to not pray for each other or exclude each other from fellowship. Some divisions happen because of envy and jealousy. People in the church start gossiping or comparing themselves to each other, and that just leads to them feeling upset and bitter and resentful, and the division just gets larger and larger. We can all feel that the division is there, but we can't let the church go on in this state. We have to do something about it. In order to fix the problem, we first have to understand division and how it works. The devil uses it for a reason. It's one of his most potent and effective weapons. He knows the power and strength that comes from a church that's united together in one accord, so he'll do anything to prevent that. He sows seeds of division amongst God's people. But how exactly does he do this? One of the main ways we find in Revelation. Revelation 12 and 10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The last phrase is interesting. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them day and night. This is referring to the devil. But this isn't just something that he's going to do during the end times. This is something that he's doing today. The first aspect of this that we need to look at is that it says he's the accuser of the brethren. The wording here is important. It didn't say he's the accuser of just people in general. It didn't say he's the accuser of unbelievers. It said he's the accuser of the brethren, which is us. He's accusing us day and night. He's not accusing his own people. He's only accusing God's people. He's accusing us of doing what's wrong of going against God's will. But isn't that what he would want? 
So that should lead us to ask ourselves, why does he accuse us? The devil's not just going to do this to annoy or pester Christians. The devil knows that his time is limited and that it's quickly running out. He's not in the business of wasting time. So there has to be a deeper reason behind his accusations. He does it in order to divide people. He does this through sowing disagreements, suspicions, envy, jealousy, doubt, and many other things between people. When the devil impresses these things upon a person's mind concerning another person, it's not long before the natural mind runs wild with those assertions, coming to all sorts of conclusions that might have no relation to any facts or reality. The natural mind believes in guilty until proven innocent, especially when it comes to spiritual things. As soon as the devil makes an accusation, by many people, it's taken to be true until they can find enough evidence to prove otherwise, even if it's something that can't be proven in the natural. We find this all the time. People, instead of looking at another person in blind, unconditional agape love, are constantly looking for them to mess up or to say the wrong thing or to do the wrong thing. They want to see if they think the wrong way. And as soon as they detect that, there's reason to start a division. There's reason to fight and argue and do all those things that come with division. The next thing we need to ask is what exactly is division itself? What constitutes division? In the Greek, it means a split, a dissension, a rent as in a garment. This word appears eight times in the Bible. The part of this definition that we need to take a closer look at is the phrase rent as in a garment. Matthew 9 and 16 says, No man putteth a piece of new cloth upon an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up, take it from the garment, and the rent is made worse. We find this happening today too. Christians see the division all throughout the church. They know that the world can see it too. And they know of how poor a reflection that is on our God. So they don't want it to be there, but they don't want to fix the issue either. So instead of actually repairing the damage the right way, they just patch it over. Just like the verse says, they just try to fill up that space with something else. Maybe they do it with pleasantries and formalities that are just empty, meaningless words. Maybe they do it with $10 theological words that nobody understands. Or maybe they do it by just ignoring it and sweeping it under the rug, hoping if they just ignore it long enough, no one will ever notice it. This only makes it worse, and it makes the division grow and spread further. Division is designed to spread. It's a poison within the church, and it works the same way as a drop of food coloring and a glass of water. It starts to spread immediately after it's introduced, until it permeates all. And division isn't content with just residing in pockets here and there. It wants total control. Sometimes people think patching over the division is the right idea, and to the natural mind, it's understandable how many can come to this conclusion. They may not want to have those hard, uncomfortable conversations and have to hammer things out the hard way. They think it's not worth fighting over some things. It's best just to make peace, agree to disagree, and go on with our lives. Sometimes they think this way because they don't want to offend people and hurt their feelings. But patching it over doesn't actually repair anything. It just temporarily blocks the division from sight. Understanding division in light of a rent and a garment is important too because of how the church is designed. Philippians 2 and 2 in the regular Amplified Version says, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love toward one another, knit together in spirit, intent on one purpose, and living a life that reflects your faith and spreads the gospel, the good news regarding salvation through faith in Christ. The key phrase here is knit together in spirit. When fabric is knitted together, it's combined. It becomes one. Colossians 2 and 2 also tells us that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, 
and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ. We're knit together in spirit and love. We're combined. We're unified. That's our default setting as the family and kingdom of God. Ephesians 4 and 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Our unity in Spirit is what allows us to be one in all these areas. But when we allow division to start to pull at the loose frets, that being one can quickly become two. And that's when real contention begins. That's when the effects of the poison of division really begin to settle in. Now there's strife, and different factions and groups are warring between each other to get on top. And the message, the core mission, and the original purpose for being there in the first place gets lost and buried under all that disagreement. So if the church is meant to be unified, and if that's God's will for his people, how do divisions get a foothold in the first place? How are they allowed to come in and take root? Verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 11 said, Now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. This has to do with intent. Divisions are predicated on intent. People who are going to church for the right reasons, wanting to worship God and learn from his word, aren't going to easily give in to the devil's accusations against people and the gossip that goes along with that. They know why they're there, and they know an attack of the devil when they see one. But people who aren't going to church for the right reason are there for an entirely different purpose. They're looking for those loose threads to pull. They want to see the garment rent. They want to see the fabric fall apart in their own hands. The wrong intent is the source of divisions. It provides fertile soil for it to grow and flourish in. It's no secret that there are people in church who aren't there for the right reasons. That's been going on since the church began. Verse 4 of the book of Jude says, For there are certain men crept in unaware, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So what should the church do if we find that there are people in our own ranks spreading division? Verse 3 in the book of Jude gives us the answer. It says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you with the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. When divisions seek to pull us away from the truth of God's word into man-made doctrines and delusions, we have to stand our ground. It may seem extreme to think that divisions amongst Christians would lead to something like a heresy or a false doctrine, but we find that in 1 Corinthians 11. In verse 19, right after speaking about division, it says, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. The wording here is clear. There must be also. The fertile soil for divisions are wrong intentions, and then divisions acting as a slippery slope become the fertile soil for heresies and false doctrines, which is why division is such a poison. It seeks to not only pit us against each other, it then seeks to pit us against our God and ultimately draw us away from Him. Division isn't just innocent infighting and squabbles about silly things. It's opening the door for things that are far worse and far more potent of a force to deal with, which leads us to the next thing that we need to look at. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in the 20th verse, it says, But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. 
and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God have tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care, one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. This chapter is talking about us as believers being the body of Christ. Verse 25 says, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care, one for another. What would a division in a body look like? It looks like a body part that's trying to harm another body part. It looks like a body attempting to harm itself, intending to inflict injury to the self. It's self-destructive behavior. And we would all rightly agree that when a person's exhibiting self-destructive behavior, that something's very wrong and something needs to change. There's something beneath the surface. There's some division in their mind or heart that's causing an irrational state of thinking and acting. It changes their intention. It changes it from the default intention for security, safety, and preservation to the opposite. It's the same in the church. When division seeps in amongst our ranks, we're only harming ourselves. There's no benefit. There's no reward. There's no pleasure to be found. It's only injury. We just simply strip ourselves of our strength, our power, our effectiveness, and open the door wide for the devil to run rampant through our own ranks, abusing us. This is why division needs to be addressed. If you ignore a person with self-destructive behavior, that behavior will only increase and become worse. And it's no different with division. If it's ignored, it will continually get worse, and the wounds will get deeper and deeper. Mark 3 and 25 says, And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. The house of God can't be allowed to devolve into a state of continual division. That's not acceptable. When those in the world see the divisiveness in the church, it affects not only their view of Christians, which would have been bad enough on its own, but more importantly, it affects their view of God. This is how the poison spreads to those on the outside. It's noticeable because even we highlighted ourselves. When we talk about different denominations, almost invariably the first thing we do is start to talk about where we differ. Almost no one ever talks about all the things that we have in common, even though all Christians everywhere have far more in common than not. One of the most important things this verse communicates to us is that a house can be destroyed from within. It can be self-destructive. It can cause a self-inflicted injury. Sometimes the devil's most effective line of attack isn't to attack at all, but to have us attack each other. The Puritan preacher Thomas Brooks once said, For wolves to worry lambs is no wonder, but for lambs to worry one another. This is unnatural and monstrous. Division is unnatural to the church. It's a deviation from our renewed nature as the children of God. The devil wants to divide and conquer. He won't have to try to devour the lambs if the lambs will devour each other. He wants to manipulate the lambs so they do his bidding and ultimately do his work for him. He wants to destroy us and he wants to destroy the church. But the good news is that he won't and that he can't. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and 18, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This fact alone should unite us. Although he can't destroy us, he'll do all in his power to weaken us and attempt to make us ineffective. And when we give in to his divisions, we only help the process. We rob ourselves of our own power. We steal our own strength. And then we get mad at God when we can't find these things anymore, leading to even more division. Why do we do this? When people in the world look at the family of God, 
We don't want them to see a dysfunctional family constantly fighting, unable to get along or agree on anything. We don't want them to see people who look for the worst in people, people who are quick to criticize, and people who ostracize those who don't fit their arbitrary, unbiblical criteria. That's not how God runs his household. It's not even close. If given a choice, no one would ever choose to be part of a dysfunctional family. So we can't be surprised that unbelievers don't want to come to Christ. After seeing the divisiveness of Christians, why would they? It's just more what they experience every day in the world. Mahatma Gandhi once said, I like your Christ, but your Christians are nothing like your Christ. We can't let our division be the reason someone doesn't come to faith. That would be terrible, but it happens all the time because we just patch our divisions. We never fix them. God who made the tapestry of the church, who knitted us all together in spirit and love, is the only one who can fix it. When we lay the division before him on the altar as a sacrifice before him, he'll burn it up and restore our unity. But we have to be willing to make a change. It starts with each of us not giving in to the devil's divisions. But we need to be careful, because the same way he'll use divisions against us, he'll also use a counterfeit of unity in the same way. An example of this that we find today is a religious leader setting the stage for the one world religion, wanting there to be unity and harmony between Christianity, Judaism, and Islam under the false guise and false pretense of unity. And to the person who isn't familiar with God's word, or just doesn't know better, that may seem like something good. But that's not unity at all. All that's indicative of is capitulation and weakness on the part of the church. And that weakness directly stems from divisions within our own people. A united church would never go for that. But division always, without fail, makes a person or a group weaker. And that's exactly what it's done to the church. Some people run with this false counterfeit of unity that leaders are pushing. And when they see something like all religions working together, they don't think twice about what's actually happening. They don't see that in order to achieve that false harmony, they take central and fundamental Christian doctrines, the things that make Christianity what it is, and sacrifice them on the altar of unity, and then prop up their gutted version of Christianity before people in order to appease them and keep them happy. They can say they're unified, but unified in what? There's really nothing left to be unified in, at least not anything with real substance to it. They're unified in formalities, traditions. They're unified in empty words and maybe even actions. But they're definitely not united to God, which is the only unity that really matters. This is the most dangerous part of this false unity. Colossians 1 and 18 says, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. The devil wants to injure the head of the body. The divisions, the heresies, the false unity, all have the same purpose. And even better, if the body attempts to injure its own head. That's the most illogical and nonsensical part of division. If the church sold them for what they really are, just like we're doing now, they would want nothing to do with them. The devil's been trying to divide since the world began. He's been trying to cut off the head. But we're promised it's not going to work. Genesis 3.15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. A bruise of the heel may hurt for a while, but a bruise of the head is fatal. The devil has a taste of his own medicine coming his way. The devil's divisions are going to be turned upon himself, and he's going to receive that fatal blow. We need to have our mind made up that we're going to stay united and not let the devil divide us to steal our power and strength. He can only divide us if we let him. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that division is not your will for your people, 
that the church doesn't have to go on in a state of continual infighting and bitterness and anger and envy and jealousy and comparison and all these different things. We see division for what it is. We know that it's a lie of the devil and that it's a poison sent to divide and rip apart the fabric of the church. Lord, we thank you that your will is for unity. And Lord, we thank you that you've united us in spirit and in love. We thank you that you put your Holy Spirit within us to guide us and to lead us in the way of truth, to hold our hand the entire way so that we don't give in to these lies and deceptions of the enemy. Lord, we thank you that our unity is going to be a beacon of hope for those around us, that it'll be a way that we can let our light shine so that when others see our unity, when they see our love, when they see that we're all of one mind and one accord, that they'll be drawn to you so that they can be united to you the same way we are to you right now. Lord, today we rebuke the division. We bring it before you and lay it on the altar as a sacrifice before you. Lord, send your Holy Ghost fire down to burn it away for good and let the unity be restored in its place. Lord, we thank you that the best days of the church are still ahead. The fabric will not be rent. Lord, we thank you that we're not going to fall for that false counterfeit of unity that the devil is peddling, but that we're going to stand firm and strong, united to you and united to our fellow believers, and that because of that, our strength and our power and our effectiveness is going to be unlike the world has ever seen before. Lord, we thank you that the best is yet to come, and we thank you for all the freedom, all the deliverance, all the salvations and healings and miracles that are yet to be. And Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be united with God and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.